Good morning, LinkedIn. Good morning, Robert. How are you doing today? Well, good morning, LinkedIn. Good morning, Doreen. And you know, Doreen, today I'm so good that I could possibly be dangerous. Ooh. <laughs> so, <laughs> okay, I didn't expect that. All right, all right. So, so for those of be you, be careful, people. Be careful, people. <laughs> for those of you who are new to the show, every Saturday morning, Doreen asks me how I'm doing, and I come up with some interesting way to tell her how I'm doing. And some days I catch her off guard, and I think today I got her. Definitely, <laughs> definitely one of those days. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Good Morning LinkedIn. If you're new here. I'm Doreen, and this is my friend Robert. And every Saturday morning, we're here for one uh, for 30 minutes of entertainment, of edutainment, where we talk about you know trending topics, what's happening in the workplace, and we have you know we kind of um, talk about the no nonsense situation that sometimes is happening outside in the world with no BS. So if you're here, you want to relax, you want to enjoy your tea, your coffee, your breakfast, lunch, dinner, wherever you are in the world, this is the place to be. And I see people coming in here. I see Isaac. Hello. Welcome on Good Morning LinkedIn. Uh, we have more people tuning in. Kimberly, welcome, Kimberly. Welcome on the show. Who else is in that place? Namo, hello, Namo. So tell us where you are tuning in from. We have a beautiful international community here, and it always amazes us to see, uh, like, from what part of the world you are tuning in. So today, today's topic has been around for quite some time, and we had uh, a conversation already on this show about uh, AI, but today we are even going further, right? We are talking about AI and the impact it could have in your work, in your life, at your company. Because if ChatGPT can impact and check the giant Google, what could it possibly do to your workplace? Absolutely. I mean, you know, the world is moving at a million miles a minute. What was popular yesterday may not be popular today. So, and it's scary, like Green just said, if it could happen to a company as big as Google. But you know the old saying, nothing is new under the sun, because it reminds me, reminds me of a passage from an Ernest Hemingway book. Yeah, I know I don't look like it, but sometimes I do read. <laughs> so <laughs> the name of the book is called The Sun Also Rises. And there was a character named Mike who was asked how he went bankrupt. Now, the way he answered the question, it's kind of very insightful because it's good lessons for us today. He said in two ways, gradually and then suddenly. And so now... <sighs> People have been using this passage to describe how something can build up over time and then suddenly it erupts into a much bigger problem. And many people, they reference this quote when discussing, you know, like the financial crisis and things like that that have happened to us recently. And I think this same thing applies to technological changes. Think about this, the way technology changes. It happens in a series of seemingly small changes that happen over time. And then all of a sudden, bam, they just explode. 
And, 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 you know, actually, we have a couple of examples, real-life examples that we can mention if you look at uh, Kodak, right? The super giant Kodak. When the, the numerics and, you know, the digital camera started on the market, like, they didn't appear out of the blue, you know, overnight. That was something that was progressively, progressively being, making made available on the market. But those giants, you know, sometimes they feel like when they have been at the top of their game for so long, right? When they see other technologies or potential competitors uh, blowing up, actually, they don't take them seriously. So there is a lack of vision. There is a lack of consideration. There is a lack of humility also, I would say so. Then suddenly, the little guy at the corner becomes the giant and you are not ready because you didn't prepare, because you didn't want to see it building up slowly but surely. So that happened with Kodak in the past. That, that, that happened with uh, Netflix and Blockbuster, right? So I was a very little, I was a little girl. I was a child, so I don't have a clear memory of, of a blockbuster, <laughs> but I have heard a lot about it, right? When Netflix came up, and I remember the critics, you know, with with Netflix, where they say they were, they used to say, oh, but their model is not financially sustainable. So, you know, they are not really a threat for us, and, and so on and so on. But this is what happened. Like, you know, if you ask young people now, they know Netflix, they don't know anything else. But, you know, so my gray hair means that I actually do remember it. And here's what's funny. We talk about the buildup over time before Netflix even came out. It kind of started when we were <clears throat> um, finding new ways to procure music. So there mm. was this site called Napster where we were exchanging music with one another. You look at the whole music industry. That's how it all started. We were um, not necessarily paying for music back uh -oh. then. Uh -oh. We didn't understand what digital rights were because there was no such thing. But we knew that we wanted to get music faster. And so we were using what's called peer-to-peer -peer networks to share music with one another. And the music companies just ignored it until a point until it got to a point where they couldn't. And uh, same thing with Netflix and Blockbuster. People started exchanging movies online for free. And then Netflix said, wait a minute, this is a good opportunity. And they actually presented the business case to Blockbuster. And Blockbuster said, ha, we're better than you. No. Mm -hmm. And look what happened. But Doreen, let me ask you a question. What was your first cell phone? What was the first cell phone you ever owned? Mm, so it wasn't. It wasn't the the smartphone. It was a Nokia, Nokia something something. Ah, okay. So yes, I'm 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 young, but I'm not that young anymore. <laughs> <laughs> you you remember the BlackBerry? I do, I do. Ah. I was it was the latest the late time of the the BlackBerry, but I do. I had a BlackBerry. It was the best thing back then. And then what happened? The iPhone. <sighs> And that's so, the yeah. thing. I, I find it very surprising that a company like BlackBerry didn't see, you know, the the, the urge in innovating when it comes to uh, mobile uh, phones. Because, but I do believe again because people didn't trust um, what's his name already. 
the oh, founder Steve of Jobs. Apple, Steve Jobs. They didn't, they thought he was crazy, right? But he was crazy enough to believe in what he was saying and he built it. But that's not the topic today. For those of you joining us, and I see many of you, let us acknowledge you. Today we are talking about AI. So if chat GPT can disrupt Google in 2023, what about your company? And actually, this is the title of an article that was published in Forbes that we are going to talk about today. So I see um, someone here. I cannot see your name, but who says AI wouldn't disrupt our company. We have AI tech already and we are open to integrations as they come. Good. We have uh, our friend Ahmed Khaled here from Dubai. Hello, Ahmed. Thank you for joining us today. It's good to see you. And we have many more people. We have Therese in the place, uh, Denrich, and someone else here. I'm not sure who you are, but hello, user. Welcome on the show. So, Rob, now the thing is, we feel like, and I feel like uh, AI and chat, especially chat uh, GPT, like really boomed overnight. It was launched last year in, in November 2022. Honestly, I really didn't pay attention until uh, January this year, where like people started to, to, to talk about it and to raise concern about it and to complain about it, right? Um, and, and so chat GDP, GPT was released, as I said, in November 2022 and become a $29 billion organization almost overnight. So it has happened already, right? And Microsoft's stake in OpenAI has enabled them to embed a more robust version of chat a GPT into their underperforming search engine being, let's be honest. Let, tell us in the comment, is, does any one of you was, was using Bing as their, <laughs> as their right, research? Right. So, so here's the question. What is your favorite search engine? Type that into the chat. Now I'm going to go on record to openly admit my favorite search engine happens to be Google. I have a love-hate relationship with Google and Apple and most of the big tech companies, but my favorite search engine is Google, and I'm sure that many people share that. So yeah, like Doreen just said, Microsoft purchased a huge stake in ChatGPT. So this means that if ChatGPT does well, then Microsoft does well. And now that they've embedded it into Bing, Bing will do well. <laughs> is it going to bing Google upside the head? So and I see Kimberly is saying her favorite search engine is Google. Shifundu is saying his favorite search engine is Google. Google. Yeah. Google is most people's favorite search engine. But will it continue to be your favorite search engine? Because back in the day. OK, so now here, here's the other question. Let's just think 20, 30 years ago. Wow, the internet is over 40, 30 years old now. I feel old. What was your favorite search engine back in the day? So now I'm going to drop some names that some people might be able to relate to. One of mine back in the day was this one called Ask Jeeves. And he was a butler and he stood like this holding a tray. And his name was Jeeves. The other one was Excite. So there was a search engine called Excite. There was a really good search engine back in the day. And then also Yahoo back in the day was the really big search engine before Google was even a thing. And then look what happened to Yahoo. So 
most of these that I just named are no longer around. Yahoo is still around, but it's not really a search. Oh, I was about to ask you, like, what happened to Yahoo? It's still around, but it's not really a, I mean, it kind of, I don't know, heck. But see, yeah, Teresa's saying she liked Ash Jeeves. I don't know. I don't know what you guys are talking about, but I'm sure <laughs> it was good back uh, in time. Uh, Namo just mentioned one, Metacrawler. I remember that one. Oh, wow. That was way back in the day. Now, back in the day, too, AOL purported itself to be a search engine, but it kind of really wasn't. It kind of was, but kind of wasn't. So look at Google has actually dominated the market for an extremely long time, longer than a lot of these. I remember Metacrawler. Thank you for that one. That brought back some memories. And it looks like actually there was like a like different uh, search engine available back in time. And then Google probably was one of them, but then Google find his way, its way to dominate the, the, the industry. I would say so, because I have never heard of those ones. So I believe like uh, they didn't stay around for long. But, you know, that's the thing also, you know, that's very relevant to what we are talking about today. And let's dive a little bit further into the conversation, because it's about adjusting. It's about adapting and it's about being aware of your surrounding and understand how your surrounding or how your industry evolve right so with now the rise of ai and with the big boom of chat gpt uh, you know that there are like some consequences for the organization you are working for or maybe for the organization you are owning or leading from the employer's perspective and from the employee perspective as well so let's dive into this all right so what are we going to give three tips on how this affects you as an employee or the employer. And what you can do, you we are all about the finding solutions here, right? So what's the consequence, the impact, and what can we do about it? All right. So with that said, first thing is how it's going to affect us. You're going to have new skills and new roles within organizations. See, the digital disruption, it's going to create new job opportunities that require new skills and competencies. So think about it from your company standpoint. A company that fails to invest in training and development programs, you're going to struggle to attract and retain top talent. You're also going to lose your competitive edge and you are going to lag behind in digital transformations, much like Netflix versus mm -hmm. Blockbuster. So think about where you work today and how much are you investing in upskilling your personnel? Yeah, now from the employee perspective, right? If you feel like you lack the necessary skills and competencies, uh, you know, to adjust and adapt to your evolving environment, it will ultimately limit your career growth and access to new opportunities, right? So it will have an impact on your job security and eventually a lower pay. Because new people will enter the market with the new skill set that you may don't have still yet, right? So this is an implication for the employee that you need to take in consideration 
And it's not about, you know, oh, I will think about it later for now. And I, we, Rob, if you remember, like every time we have been talking about this topic, we, we hear, we, we see people who says, oh, but you know, not in my industry. Oh, I'm fine. No, <laughs> you are fine. If you believe that you are in an industry where AI will have no impact for the next two years, five years, 10 years, then you need to be, like to educate yourself on how this can impact your organization and your industry because i don't believe that one single industry won't be impacted or will be left out of ai impossible but that's my yeah. personal opinion no i'm with you now let, let me give you an example too just a very small example so you guys see me here with doreen saturday mornings but my my day job and, and my career I'm an auditor, ooh, bad person. But <laughs> I was talking to some people, uh, some, some potential clients yesterday, as a matter of fact. And what they told me was that now, because the, the world is so complicated, they have a group of people within their department that is responsible for communications. So they have to actually manage social media posts for an auditing department. And isn't that crazy? And they actually write the reports that come out, the formal communications that come out. These guys aren't auditors, they're just writers. Now, here's where it gets interesting. They said that now they're having to produce short videos as well as communications to their clients. So think about yeah. this. You go to school, you get a degree in accounting, and you think, you think, here's what you think. So people like me thought that they could hide behind a computer and a calculator. But now they got to try and get comfortable on camera and know how to convey a thought to someone else accurately whole new industries are opening up where people are now teaching you how to be comfortable on camera, or you can just do like I do. I use artificial intelligence by way of artificial characters on screen to talk back and forth to deliver a message. So think about a whole new industry is now opened up because of AI and its impact on what people are currently doing now. Now that's pretty interesting. But let's pause a little bit and talk a little bit more about what you're doing, because I found that very interesting, the way you were able, from your industry perspective as a, an auditor, you were able to leverage AI and uh, upskills yourself, but also up-level your role as, a, as an auditor by having the idea to leverage AI to create uh, uh, AI videos for communication purpose, right? Because not everyone feel comfortable in front of a camera, or, you know, not do not know how to deliver a message effectively. The so as an auditor, communication is really part of your organization. And now tell tell us a little bit more about how you leverage AI video and and help your your, your clients, you know, communicate better. Yeah. So I think I think there are a couple of things. If you look at any department in an organization, you're going to have heavy turnover. So what I do is help you create a brand image. So we pick a character that represents your organization. We pick a voice for that character. And now that character represents your organization in video communications. So say if you want to tell people, hey, here are the results of our project that we just finished. We can do that in 60 seconds by writing a script picking a character, putting some music to it, putting some visuals in the background that show what you did. Now, I just oversimplified the process because it's a complicated one. However, that's what I help organizations to do. So now when people look at your communications, they're consistent, they're complete, and they're quick and concise. So my new company is called QC3 Communications, QC3. 
We provide communications that are quick, clear, and concise. That is what we do. But it's all using artificial intelligence. So if your CEO has a, you know, a board presentation, those typically go like this. CEO talks for about five minutes, and then the rest of the time is spent on Q&A. So why not have an artificial character do that initial presentation? Then you just handle the Q&A section. But there are a lot of new industries that are springing up because of artificial intelligence. Exactly. And actually, I really like the, the comment from Therese who says, if you don't appreciate AI, it will kick you in the butt. The butt. I'm going to use that, Therese. That's subtil. <laughs> Subtility here. And Omniat also has joined us. Uh, more LinkedIn users. I cannot see your name. I don't know, Rob, if you can see their names uh, on your end. And here we have another comment from a LinkedIn user who says, I like that. It's very important to train and retrain current employees and keep up with the evolving workforce as we all can end up without a job or organization due to incoming folks with top-notch skill sets. Exactly. Yeah. You said it all. You, you can see his name or her name? And that is Carlene Altis. Hopefully I got the last name right. Thank you. Thank you, Carlene. That's a very, very relevant. Exactly. Um, it's very important. Another person here who says yes to inter intelli uh, artificial intelligence. And sounds like working wise to me. Yes, that's what that's what it's about, right? That's what it is about, working wise. Okay, which brings us actually to our next point. So what's the impact? New skill sets, you know, new roles will be created. And actually yesterday I was reading an article about companies now that are creating chief artificial intelligence chief officer. So this is already happening, those new roles are happening and being created within organization. Chief AI chief officer, right? So now yeah. what, what what could be another impact of, of uh, AI? Oh, another impact is displacement and retraining. And we all know displacement is just a fancy way of saying you're not really going to have a job. You're going to be displaced within the organization or they're going to let you go. So now the digital disruption can result in job displacement, particularly for workers whose roles are automated or become completely outsourced. And so now the implication for the company Companies that fail to support employees facing job displacement risk losing valuable knowledge and experience. You also damage employee morale and productivity and you hurt your reputation. So think about this. Someone's job has been automated, but you still need the underlying and historical knowledge. You, you do. still need that. Mm hmm. So and, and, and from the employee's perspective, actually, you know, and it is always the same, right? The hardship is on the employees, always. And, and, and so for employees who face uh, job displacement, uh, they may experience financial hardship, once again, emotional distress and limited career opportunities if they don't receive retraining and reskill support, reskilling support. So now the thing is, though, I think you got to be proactive. If, first of all, you got to request those kind of uh, reskilling or upskilling up leveling, upskilling 
training from your organization, right? This is your right and your organization should be able to provide that. Now, in a case where the organization would then provide those uh, uh, training opportunities, then this is your responsibility to train yourself and to learn those new skills because then one out of like uh, out of the blue the company one morning will open up the will open the door and say hey who is skilled in ai even though they didn't provide trainings right and for those for the employees who won't be able to say yes i can handle it i can do it there is a strong chance that they will be displaced and replaced by people who can offer those new skills right so be proactive and train either ask for it or do it by yourself if the, the if the opportunity is not provided you know and i'll tell you something so i was talking to somebody two weeks ago who his job role has changed some and the company asked him to well step up to the plate you hear this buzzword now people talking about digital transformation and a lot of companies have digital transformation initiatives in specific departments or also in the company as a whole so he was asked to do this new thing in his department digital transformation he didn't even know where to begin and you know what he did he actually stepped down from his role oh. and you know I, now I have I have reservations about that. I, I, in my personal opinion, you can learn and pick up the new skill, but he felt like he was so far along in his career, and that the task that was being asked was so overwhelming, he didn't think he could catch up in time to actually do a good service to the company, and so he had to step back. So I think that's why it's really important to pick up new skills uh, along the way as you see things happening. And so we have some great comment here uh, from, from the audience. So Gail says, I don't think AI can truly replace the one-on-one -on -one human emotional interaction though. With ChatGPT, you still need to put your spin or character or even brand onto whatever it tells, it tells you. But for me, it is the best thing ever since Slice bread. Yeah. And, and I and I agree with that. And this is so Gail and I, we, we talk sometimes, you know, that I feel the exact same way because this is how I view it. I view chat GPT as kind of like the framework for something, but it still takes that human connection and interaction to take that frame and then build the house and then to furnish it and to decorate it. And even when you read articles on the internet, you can tell the ones that have been written by AI. It's just Fact, bullet point, bullet point, fact, bullet point, bullet point. But yeah. ones that have had that human touch, it's like fact, bullet point. Now, let's get some anecdotal stories. Let's talk about how this affects us emotionally. Let's talk about what this really means for us from an emotional or a logical standpoint. There's a huge difference, but you can use it to gain some leverage in the workplace. Oh, listen, I'm using I'm using it. Okay. I'm using it. And yeah. but it helps, I use it as a starting point to what I want to achieve and the outcome I'm looking to achieve, you know? So I will use that chat GTP and see the bullet point and then I will do my research, develop the bullet point. You know, there is still work that, that needs to be done. And Natasha says, um, chief AI officer, how is this different from an officer whose job is to increase productivity and skills? In a company, AI is an amazing tool. However, if someone knows AI, doesn't mean they can run the people of an organization. 
Yeah, so I'll, I'll take that one. So how is that different from someone who is responsible for productivity? So within AI, you're going to have a lot of challenges that come forth. Say, for example, governance of AI, ethical AI. You see all these deep fakes that are happening now. As a company, you don't want to be the one who's putting out deep fakes, but then you could also be a victim of deep fakes. Let's take Tesla, for example. Tesla has a self-driving mode within their car. Now, we've seen that there have been some car wrecks. So what happens? What are you doing on the front end to ensure that, well, you're not going to have those wrecks? Then again, what can you do on the back end from a legal standpoint to comply with any regulations that are going to come out? So by that, we're not necessarily just talking about efficiencies. You're talking about a whole ecosystem where you talk about policies, procedures, governance, structure, protocols. There's a lot that goes into it. So yeah, you're going to see the rise of the chief artificial intelligence officer or some sort of equivalent position where someone in a significant position of authority is responsible for the AI initiative at almost any organization. Because either you're going to be producing it directly or you're going to be affected by it. Either way, you need a champion in your organization. Mm -hmm. That's very true. Yeah. And Rhonda says AI is just the next logical step. Oh, I like it. It is just the next logical step as we step forward into a flat digital global landscape. It will create opportunities across the board as they are outsourcing relationship change. And can you link, can you read the, the rest? Because I don't have access to it. Oh, let's we see. can be chicken little here. The sky ah. isn't failing. I agree with with retraining, but I also agree with proactive upskilling. Yes. And yeah, Rhonda, so let me tell you, that was one of the first things we said. Proactive upskilling is the best way to go. Because if you have a bunch of people at in your office place that are incompetent, then your company is going to fall behind. I mean, that, that's just the way it is. But yeah, I like the way she said that, though. The digital, the flat digital global landscape. I like that. Um, I, like I think that. that's what we're going to see because everyone to a certain extent is going to have to know how to use technology to leverage what we currently do. Yeah. And let's let's take a look at the last point that we wanna that we want to talk about today. How AI can possibly increase workplace diversity. Ooh, now this is a big one because digital disruption can enable more flexible and more remote work arrangements which means you may have people working for your organization that are in totally different countries, in totally different time zones. And so this brings a diversity to the, to the workplace. But also think about the age disparities that you're going to see because now information is readily available. I think you're going to see younger and younger people entering the workforce. Some may even forego college. So now you mm -hmm. have age discrepancies, geographic differences, you know, not to mention age, race, and gender differences just all across the board. That's very true. And uh, let me look at more comment here. I see, I see this. This is a topic that, you know, you are very passionate and we love reading all your comments. Thank you for, for being part of this conversation. So Gail says, um, agree, Robert, because AI is going to have a, to be actually managed so that it doesn't get away from us. We still have to be responsible and accountable for the content we use AI to generate for us, 100%. And here, 
We have another comment from Natasha who says, it seems like a double-edged sword. And that's true. That's very true. Chief AI officer in charge of a team, like or party of one, those who are advanced in leveraging this tool will be in high demand. They will be in high demand. But let me tell you something here, actually, Natasha. You probably have seen it. You probably have experienced it. Like, it's not the the more deserving or the more uh, people equipped with soft skills or people skills that become leaders in organization. We know that, right? So the people who become, oftentimes, the people who become leaders within an organization are the ones who have the skills that are required to be effective and to be productive. And AI is definitely one of them. So I do believe we will find ourselves in a situation where you will see a person that has good leadership skills and soft skills, soft skills, you know, that can lead people. And then you will have on the other side someone who is AI savvy. I'm pretty sure the person who is AI savvy will get the role as opposed to the person who is more people savvy, if I can say so. You see what I mean? So oh, yeah, this absolutely. is already happening and it will be happening again. And, and let's just break this down a little further because I, I like that you brought that point up, Doreen. So you have the computer programmers and engineers who actually program AI models. That's a one segment of people that are going to be in high demand. But then you also have people who understand it and know how to leverage it to make something that we do easier. And, and a good example of that is Steve Jobs. Yeah, he knew how to program a little bit, but he was really an idea guy and he got the computer programmers, the engineers, the developers to develop the hardware for the iPhone as well as the software. And he was the front person because he put all the ideas together. So if you think about it, you have two different routes you can go. I'm too old to try and learn computer programming. So that's, that's not what I'm going to do. But I understand what's possible with certain segments of artificial intelligence and how to actually leverage it and use it. Because if you really dig down deep into it, none of this is new. And what we're calling artificial intelligence now, technically, it's not really artificial intelligence. It's more of what we call machine learning. Mm -hmm. Okay. But, you know, so it, it's there's a lot of room for people if you want to be technical and do programming and coding or if you want to be the ideal person that shepherds a group towards a common goal of creating a new product that people can enjoy or that makes our lives easier. So now let's get back to the diversity piece uh, of of <laughs> because there. we have been yeah we have been all over the place. <laughs> so thank you, dear user, for saying hey let's let's talk about the the part diversity, uh, the diversity part. Yes, <laughs> thank you for keeping us on, on track. So diversity, how could AI could possibly uh, uh, increase diversity? Ooh. How could it increase diversity? So I think what it does is uh, it breaks down barriers. Um, I think it helps us to actually understand that you're never too old, you're never too young, you know. And again, like I said, you see a lot of people, a lot of companies outsourcing now. Here's the other thing, too. I find interesting. There are some digital avatars on some social media platforms. In other words, these aren't humans that have millions of followers so i think you're yeah. going to see the rise of digital avatars as spokes spokespersons spokespeople spokespersons for companies and organizations
stations. Now that one is strange to me. I don't necessarily believe in it, but we're already seeing it. And so you're going to have, like I said earlier, diversity in age, race, and even, well, are you even human? Are you even real? But, but, but you know, like from a diversity standpoint, again, employees who experience workplace discrimination, right, or bias, uh, um, like will will probably have, and this is an assumption that we are making here, you know, the opportunity to thrive and to be uh, uh, more satisfied with their work as long as they can work from home, right? Because to like job with AI, you don't need to be in a physical workplace, right? So I do believe more of the job creation, more of the job, jobs that will be created uh, will be remote jobs for most of them. And so I do believe like, yes, it, it, it remove some of the barriers to uh, 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 diversity because as a diverse person, being your gender, being your skin color, being your faith or whatever it is, you won't have to face uh, people and you won't have to, 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 to face their uh, bias and you won't have to justify yourself in a way that it used to be when working physically in a place with other people because you will just handle your work from 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 home so and i do believe also because this is a new skill and that is going that is increasingly incre in the increased demand then uh, people will there is a shortage of talent anyway so people will look at you know what are the opportunities and the people available and talented and skilled out there as opposed to be more uh can i say dumb <laughs> i don't know if i can say that uh, but you know and looking at yes, stuff yes. that <laughs> that don't really matter uh when it comes to effectiveness in the workplace yeah yeah so yeah. a huge opportunity for companies um you can either leverage it to your advantage or not mm -hmm. yeah and um Terry says, we should also remember that AI is not infallible. Yes, we still need to do fact-checking, take responsibility for errors, and, and, and correct them. And Gail says, do you think... Do you think leaders need to be tech savvy, but also be visionaries to see the potential of leveraging the tech to take us forward confidently into the future? Of course, I do believe, of course, you need to, as a leader, you need to be visionary anyway. Because if you don't have the vision where you want to take your team to, towards to, and your organization to, like, how are you going to build and, and you know, like, gather people around the common goal, right? So great leaders are, 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 are visionaries, I do believe so. But then they will have to be tech savvy also. So that kind of situation would be, like, the perfect type of leader that is expected in the workplace as opposed to now you know being one or the other and i do believe those leaders who are visionary and they are able to adjust their skills to ai and any new tech and stuff coming up because now we are talking about ai six months from now now we may we may be talking about something else right so the leaders we'll be talking are, about vr oh virtual yeah. reality yeah and then the metaverse because the metaverse is growing also in some industries right Yep. And so, like those who are able to adapt quickly and to keep the vision will be the one who stand out from the crowd. Yeah, yeah. And sometimes being a visionary just means asking the question, what if? 
or can we do this? Those are the two basic questions in your organization. What if we did this or can we do this? And then somebody else is going to be smart enough to say, yes, we can. Here's how. And then you all figure it out. But not even exploring the possibilities is where I think I think most leaders and organizations fail because they don't even think. Think about it again. Just go back to Blockbuster. What if they had said I just said, what if, you know, <laughs> what if they had just asked the question, what if yeah. these people are able to lower the cost of delivering video from point A to point B? Then we could be out of business. But I think that's that's the biggest question a leader, a visionary could ask. What if? That's exactly it. So um, exactly, Rhonda, you don't like it. Like most people, we don't like it, but this is the way, this is part of our new reality and we have to ad adapt either we like it or not. And this is not a matter, do we like it or not? It's a matter of how do we adjust to it? Right. That's the thing. You got to change your, you got to shift your perspective. So thank you, everyone. We have been longer than usual today, but thank you for all your contributions. That was uh, well appreciated. And we're happy to see you back every Saturday morning on Good Morning LinkedIn. If you were not aware, actually, uh, Good Morning LinkedIn is a podcast too. Okay, so you can listen to the replay of all our episodes on your favorite uh, podcasting platforms. We are there. Don't forget to register and to leave us a review. Uh, we are kind people, right? And I think we deserve it. We are cool, right? <laughs> uh, <laughs> you know how to preach for, for, for yourself. Um, but that's it. So thank you, everyone. Rob, is there anything, anything else that you would like to say to our community before we uh, wrap up? Thank you for joining us each week. We'll see you next Saturday. Yes, thank you, everyone. You take care. You stay safe. And uh, we will see you next week, Saturday. Peace out.